Today we get to enter into the story of the Magi coming to visit Jesus. The Magi, otherwise known as the wise men or the three kings, show up in the Gospel of Matthew as a sign of Jesus' mission to save not just his own people, but all people. As we explore the story together, I invite you to hold this question in mind. What do we do when something strange draws us off the path we expected to walk? What do we do when something strange draws us off the path we expected to walk? Holding that in mind, uh, listen now for God's word to us. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God of dreams, signs, and stars. We want to act in ways that show our love for you and for our neighbor. We want to sense your presence close by. Quiet all the distractions within and without. Show us the way, one step at a time. Shape us into the people you dreamt of at creation. Amen. So I think this is a great story for New Year's Eve. Stick with me. So the Magi, likely from Persia, practiced a different religion than Judaism. They studied stars, as we just heard with our kiddos here. They interpreted their movements to, mo- to make both explanations of current events and predictions of future events that ranged from political developments to weather that could impact agricultural plans. They were scholars. They were highly respected. They studied the stars. They knew stars. They knew how they appeared and what they meant. But then something strange happened. This bunch of astrology experts encountered something that was not on any map they knew. It was unplanned, and it derailed whatever plans they had for their lives for a while. Many of us spend New Year's making plans and resolutions for the year to come, 
only to come to the next New Year's Eve a year later with almost none of those things having come to fruition. (laughs) And so what do we do when something strange draws us off the path we expected to walk? How do we know what is God's guidance for our lives as opposed to a random event that we should ignore? If the Magi were well-respected, if their interpretations were valued by rulers and citizens alike, then I imagine that they enjoyed that position of respect. They wanted to be proficient at their work. They wanted to correctly interpret what they saw, because when they correctly interpreted the stars, when their predictions came to be, that reinforced their expertise and their position in society. And on perhaps a less transactional level, they had a desire to understand, to learn, to grow their knowledge of how the stars worked and how their movements affected their lives. We know from scholars' insights to the context that the Magi were also deeply religious people. They looked for a sense of some divine being or beings interacting with the world around them. They devoted lots of time and energy into study, into documenting, into maps and drawings and charts and plans of how things went in the past and how things might go in the future. Now, this room might not be full of astrology experts, though maybe some of us enjoy reading our horoscope from time to time. (laughs) But I hope that we can see some resonance here with the Magi all the same. Many of us appreciate it when we are respected, when our hard work benefits others, when we are proficient, when we are correct in our interpretation of events or how things ought to go. Even on a small scale, how many times do we long to hear a loved one say, okay, okay, you're right, you're happy. We like being right. We like being correct. And beyond what other people think of us and how skilled we are at interpreting data, many of us also long to understand, to learn, to grow in our knowledge of all kinds of things. Many of us long to understand, to learn, to grow in our knowledge of how to love others, how to trust God more, how to make choices that align with our values. So these plans... These maps that the Magi used, they were good things. They were helpful. Knowledge of what was often does give us a glimpse of what might unfold in the future. When we do make a New Year's resolution or a goal and we break that down into small tasks and we make a plan to do those tasks, those plans are good. They help us achieve those goals. We need maps or else we would be completely Lost. We need plans or else we would spend our days responding only to urgent things and never to long-term important things. We need structure or else we feel adrift. And yet, so often we encounter things that derail our plans. So often we come across things that are not on the map, things that are not supposed to be there. It was a normal day of study for our magi, until all of a sudden, it wasn't. A new star appeared, a star they'd never seen before, a star that was on no map of theirs, it wasn't in any of their history books, and it was a star that seemed to move. And maybe, at first, this was really exciting for the magi. There can be some great energy about something new, something new to explore, something new to learn about. After all, the magi were students of the stars. They loved to learn. And so they chose to follow this moving star. They left behind their typical rhythms and their routines. 
Maybe they thought it wouldn't take that long for the star to stop moving and lead them to something special. Context clues both in this passage and the rest of this gospel point to uh, the Magi not arriving at Jesus' home until he was close to two years old. And even though our nativity scenes and our pageants kind of compress time and have them showing up right after the shepherds, it took them a long, long time to get there after they first saw that star. And I can't help but wonder if after the excitement of a new star wore off, and the Magi found themselves still wandering, following a star that seemed like it would never stop, that they got pretty frustrated. Because if we look at this whole experience from a different angle, this star challenged all that they thought they knew about stars and how they functioned. Their touch points, the things that they took for granted as true, their maps, all of it was suddenly up in the air. If stars could move, then what did they learn before? Did that still hold up? If stars could move, then uh, would they have to rewrite all of their charts and their maps? Would new stars, more stars come? And beyond just the nature of the star itself, the star led the Magi to a, a toddler in Bethlehem, not a prince in a palace because we don't actually enjoy having our knowledge or our competence called into question. We don't enjoy being confronted with just how little we know and just how little we can control. We don't like it when something derails our plans. It is quite humbling. Over and over in this text, the Magi are described as bowing down and paying homage. They were physical embodiments of this humility. And so maybe today, for us, if our hopes for the coming year are fairly low stakes, changing our plans is not that stressful. But if our plans and our hopes are things that we care deeply about, having to change course can be painful. I feel this very deeply on a personal level this year, from unexpected surgery to longer-than-anticipated recovery one of our beloved pups passing away to a Christmas holiday that was mostly good, but also pretty stressful. (laughs) Pretty much all of my hopes and plans for my life for this year did not come to fruition. Even a little goal planner that I used, and I just stopped using it because every month I had to cross out everything and say, we survived. That was the goal that we (laughs) meant. And I think a lot of folks resonate with that. We have lost loved ones this year. Things have gone sideways over and over again. And it seems like just a triumph to have survived the day. Newness can be exciting, but when we find ourselves unsteady on our feet, unsure of what we thought we knew and what we think may happen, it's really hard. So in our story, the Magi made it to Jerusalem. They kept searching and went to Bethlehem. And suddenly, finally, the star stopped. And the text tells us, when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And what I love about that detail, they haven't even seen Jesus yet. (laughs) They don't even care anymore if it was a humble home or not a grand palace. For two years, they had gone in circles and wandered and wondered, and this star that they had been so excited to witness at its rising had finally stopped. 
They were finally there. They were overwhelmed with joy. And then they went inside, and the text says they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Their joy was a sign to them that they had found the one they had been searching for. Their joy was a metric, so to speak, a way of confirming that they were where they were supposed to be, even though that's not where they had planned to be. And they might not have put it, been able to put it into words yet, but they had found their way home to the God-become-flesh, Emmanuel, the Messiah. And when we find ourselves in the presence of God, when we are aware of how our journey has led us to this point, despite plans that have gone every which way, we can be overwhelmed with joy. Joy becomes a new touch point, something that exists outside of maps and charts and plans, something that finds us where we are. And during Advent, we talked about joy as something that recognizes hardship, that there's happiness there, but part of the happiness is richer and deeper because we're aware of how hard it was to get to that point. And I see that at play in the story. Their joy was overwhelming because they had been on a long, long journey to figure this out. And so I think what this text is showing us today is that God rearranges what we thought we knew to draw us closer to God's very self, to draw us closer to joy. A constellation is both a set of stars in the sky, and it's also a pattern. It's a way that things are arranged. God gives us a new constellation of all of these pieces, all of these plans that have been, been totally shattered, and rearranges them and leads us to God's very self, to God's joy. There is a text in Romans that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And it talks about rulers or things past or things present. And I always like to think in my head, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not our plans that are derailed, not our failures, not our grief, not our sorrows, not our illnesses. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter how many times things have gone sideways, how many circles we have wandered in. And so when we hold on to this idea that God rearranges what we thought we knew to draw us closer to God's self, to draw us closer to joy, when we acknowledge how much we don't know and can't control, that makes room for joy and for the ability to hold our hopes and plans a little bit more loosely. And so my question is, what do you think that you know that might be getting rearranged? What plan or dream of yours might be being reinterpreted by God in this season? What humbling process that you are in might actually be drawing you closer to the heart of God? These are hard questions. But the gift 
of the God that we worship, the gift of the God in this text, is that God is with us in every circle, in every winding path, in every new and strange territory. And as we lean on that, more and more interruptions and strange happenings become things that we can be curious about rather than fear and avoid. Because the good news is that no matter what happens, no matter how confusing, no matter how many plans have to be rewritten and rearranged, no matter how new constellations have to be made, God is always, always leading you to God's very self, to God's joy. And this is good news. Amen.